this last five minutes, but I'm going to turn it over now. I'm going to turn it over now to Justin, who's going to stand right here, and he's going to give you the offering message. Everybody give it up for Justin. Thank you, Mariah. Yeah. Uh, good morning, guys. My name is Justin. Um, I've been going here to Life Center almost three years now. So, um, but yeah, I just wanted to uh, share something with you. I can take this off. Um, just as we prepare our hearts just to give to the Lord, um, to give our tithes and offerings. And, um, and so just like reflecting on uh, Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, whenever you do a charitable deed, um, uh, do not sound a trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or in, and in the streets that they may have glory from men. As surely I say to you that they have the reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be seen in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Um, so, just, um, so just thinking about, like, in this age of faith, when we don't see God, he's, you know, invisible, but we know him by faith, um, and we love him. He invites us into this reality that we get to engage with his heart of giving, and we get to uh, we get to give of our money, of our of our resources and our time, and he rewards us uh, in the age to come, and he rewards us now. But um, but just this reality that um, he invites us to hey, give to me in in secret, give to me, um, live before my eyes with your money and the way that you relate to money and finances. Like let's have a relationship, let's talk about it, and. I want you to step out in faith, and I want to invite you into something that um, I enjoy about myself, and I want to impart that to you, and I want us to go on a journey together um, because he's a, he's a giving God, and that's just his nature and who he is, and he invites us into gazing upon who he is as, as a giver, as, as sacrificial love, and to express that very same thing, and we, he wants to share that part of his nature with us. Um, yeah, and then the next thing is, like, this morning is um, just in worship. It was just so powerful as we were just looking upon God and his nature as just holy and totally set apart. And just some of those choruses we were singing from, um, you know, they were taken kind of from Revelation 4 and 5 and just that scene in the throne room where you have the, the four living creatures, you have the 24 elders and just myriads of angels looking upon the uncreated God who dwells in unapproachable light. And they can't cry anything else but holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Um, so just like thinking about the majesty of God and being in his just unhindered, unfiltered presence, a raw presence and power. Um, and then in Revelation 5, you have Jesus, the, the lamb that was slain. And there's just this declaration that um, all, the, all the angels, the 24 elders, everything in heaven, under, under the earth, underneath the sea, there's this declaration that he is worthy of the power, he's worthy of the riches, he's worthy of the wisdom and the, the strength, the might. He's worthy of the, the, the honor, the glory, and the blessing um, of all the nations, right? So it's just this picture that Jesus, the coming king, the one that we're singing to and worshiping, he's going to receive this inheritance, um, of just 
everything, like everything from all the nations, this grand inheritance from all the nations. Um, but just to think now, like we get to engage with that man now, and we get to give to him in, in secret and live our lives before him. Um, and it says that he wants us to bear fruit that will remain forever. So it's like this one who's worthy of everything, who's going to get and inherit everything, the most important man in the universe, um, the one in, in that scene in Revelation who everything revolves around him, he, he says, hey, you, when you give in secret, I'm going to remember that, and I'm going to reward that forever. Um, and so, like, we just want to, yeah, so when we give, we want to anchor our hearts in eternity that there's a man who sees, who cares, and who's going to reward. Like, living our lives for eternal reward, it's the, one of the wisest things you can do. It is biblical. That is what Jesus talked about. Jesus wants to motivate you with eternal rewards because that's the true reality. And that is what he's placed in our hearts. Um, he set eternity in the heart of man. And so, um, yeah, so I just want to pray. Um, yeah, and then I'll give you directions afterwards. So, um, so Father, we just lift, we lift our eyes to you and, and we thank you for your son. We thank you that you have given him to us. Um, he is the image of you, the, un, the uncreated God. He is the express image of your invisible person. And Jesus, we thank you that you became a man and that you took on flesh and you gave yourself. You poured out your soul and you showed us what God was like. You who were rich, you became poor so that we might become the righteous of God. Um, and so we just thank you for your nature, your character and who you are. And Lord, we just come to you humbly and with joy, giving you our tithes, our offerings, our money. Um, we come to give you our alabaster jar, our, um, to pour out our worship at your feet. Jesus, you're worthy of our inheritance. Uh, uh, you're worthy of the inheritance of the nations, and you're worthy of our heart. You're worthy of my soul and my emotions, um, and you're worthy of my relationship to money. And Jesus, thank you that I get to love you and bless you and move your heart um, with how I can give to you in small ways by faith in this age. And I thank you that you see and that you care and that you will reward. Jesus, we believe this about you. We believe your word. Um, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for helping us to, to believe it even more. Help us to, to live lives of um, giving abundantly because you have so given yourself to us. We want to respond in a manner worthy of, of the grace of God. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, for those of you here in person and online, um, if, uh, yeah, feel free to text LCNYC to give. So that's 77977. Um, yeah, and that's all I got. So be blessed as you give before his eyes. Yeah. So I'm going to introduce uh, our speaker, our beautiful speaker. Miss um, Ogo has been coming to Life Center for quite some time now, and she is a powerhouse woman. Can we all agree? Yes. So everybody extend your hands. You can come on up here. Extend your hands. We're going to pray for Miss Ogo. Man, what a beautiful woman. 
Daddy, I thank you so much for my sister in Christ. God, I ask tonight, God, that your fire would be on her words. God, would you bless her as she releases the kingdom? In Jesus' name, would every heart in this room be so overturned by love because of what she has to bring today and the message that you've given her for this house. Bless her, fill her to overflow in Jesus' name. Amen. How's everyone doing? <laughs> Praise God. So um, I'm going to teach you a little kind of Nigerian thing that we do um, back home in Nigeria. So when the pastor says, or whoever's at the phone says, praise the Lord, do you know what you say? Yes, yes. So we're going to take it home. You ready? But you say hallelujah like your life depends on it. Do you know what I mean? Because God is worthy of all the praise. And so we just keep saying, so we say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Give God a hand offering. Give him a hand offering. Praise the Lord. Amen. So honored to be able to share with everyone this morning the verse the Lord or the passage we're going to be talking from and unpacking is um, Ephesians 4, 11 to 15. Ephesians 4, 11 to 15. So we are in an interesting time in history, I think it doesn't take a rocket science to see that we are in peculiar times, but we were born to be alive right now for such a time as this. And we are actually lucky and chosen by God to be part of what's going on right now. And so as I kind of spent time with the Lord and asked him what he wanted me to share to the church today, this was the passage he gave. And as I began to read the passage, what I heard was maturing in Christ. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, is maturing in Christ. And as I unpacked that passage, it began to get clearer to me. So many concerns, confusion like we've never seen right now, fear like we've never seen, so much negativity like we've never seen before, but the church is the answer. The church is the answer, but for the church to be the answer, we have to be maturing in Christ. You can't save something if you yourself are not saved. I think of when you go on an airplane and they say, they show you the kind of what to do, don't they? You know, put the thing on your, if, if a crash happens, put that thing on your nose, with the oxygen mask, but it says, help yourself before you help. And so it's been an interesting one because it's funny because just the turmoil in the nation especially with the elections coming up and so much going on. And I'm, you know, praying and seeking the Lord and praying what I think I'm supposed to be praying, what I emotionally wanted to pray, which was, you know, your kingdom come in the government, your kingdom come in the United States of America. Now I'm British, Nigerian origin, but I'm British, but I'm praying that because I have a heart for this nation. And again, the Lord says, oh, go, oh, go, oh, go. 
praying for the country. Go pray for yourself. And so that's been the thing right now is he's like, pray for yourself first. And so that's what I've been doing and not felt the release yet to pray for the country. He's like, look, look, take care of you first. I got the country. Make sure you're fine. Make sure you're right. And so let's unpack this passage and then we'll kind of go from there. So Ephesians 4, 11 to 15, I'll read from the NIV version, and then we'll also do the Passion Translation of the same passage. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Let's read the Passion. I'll read the Passion translation of the same passage. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. As they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. And then our immaturity will end. We will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings or by false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministry will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body. And so in this season, we kind of ask ourselves, what are we supposed to be doing? And it's funny because when trouble comes and challenging comes and confusing moments come, it causes you to dig deeper. And I felt the Lord saying, you need to talk to my body about the foundation of Christianity. Simple. Why was this earth created? He created heaven and earth, specifically earth, so that he could create us and we could choose him and come back to him. That's the purpose of our existence. 
It's so that we as human beings made in the image of God, we have a will, can decide to choose him. And then talk to other people and influence them through our way of living to choose him. And then we can come back to him. That's it. That's it. Unfortunately, many times we all get distracted, right? We go through this journey. But we are in a season to go back to basics. Why are you here? Why are you alive? Why? Because God wants you to choose him and grow in him and to bring others along. It's that simple. And so really that means it's really about two kingdoms. There's no in-between kingdom. It's a kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. If you're a believer thinking, oh, no, you know, there's this in-between place. Oh, well, I'm hoping that in the recent time you're noticing there's no in-between place. It's good, evil. It's, there's no grace. And we're seeing that right now. And we're entering a season where if you're gray, you're going to get knocked out. You better know where your feet is and you better be standing. This isn't a season of confusion in any shape or form. You've got to be clear. You've got to be straight. You've got to be rooted. And so we have the kingdom of God. You have the kingdom of darkness. And they are always warring. You just don't always see it. Because we wake up. We have breakfast. We go to work. We have a Starbucks. If you're me, you go shopping. <laughs> Online. <laughs> right? Look good. Go home. If you remember, oh, Lord, thank you for the day, and you go to bed. <laughs> Meanwhile, there is this war going on in the heavenlies for your life and for the nation. All the time. And so we pray that the Lord opens our eyes to see what is happening. But the point is, there's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of darkness. It's, it's just that. And as children of God, we are in the kingdom of God. And so being in that kingdom, we have to understand that our purpose is to keep growing in knowledge of who God is and to bring others along. That is our primary purpose. And so from that passage, there's a few things I want to highlight, five key things I want to highlight. The first one is this, God set us up well. I'll say it again. God set us up well. So we've seen the first verse 11, the first um, verse that we've spoke about. He says, there are apostles, pastors, prophets, evangelists, and teachers. He covered all corners. He didn't leave any corner untouched. I think of business. I think of, let's say, the CEO or the founder of a company. Let's call it the founder of a company. He built this trillion-dollar business, organization, dynasty, right? Think bigger than Rockefeller, right? He's got this generational wealth, multi-generational wealth, huge company, and he decides, I want to take a step back now. I don't want to be the person at the forefront building this. I'm going to take a step back, probably sit on the board, the head of the board, and just strategize and tell people what to do, but I'll no longer be at the front, is everyone with me? Will he just leave and just let them fix issues that arise and not prepare them? No. And so he then sets people up in strategic positions. Everyone say strategic. 
strategic positions to ensure that the company is fully equipped and fully set up. But he's still watching the whole time because he's the head of the board. He's just not at the front, but he's watching. But he's making sure that company, every the HR people are there. The finance people are there. The operations people are there, right? It's all set up. And he watches and he directs as he needs to. And he ensures that they are growing and they are attaining a certain goal that he has in mind. We are not left orphans. Jesus said that. The better thing for us than the CEO is we have the Holy Spirit who's actually always there. So God isn't just watching. His Spirit is also with us. And so he's equipped us perfectly. Let's talk about some of these roles and titles he's given the church. The first one is the apostle. Who's an apostle? Someone who is called and sent by Christ to have spiritual authority, character, gifts, and abilities to reach established people in kingdom, truth, and order, especially through founding and overseeing churches. So that's what apostles do, right? They oversee, they build churches. So when you think of the 12 apostles, all of them went to different places and they built places up, and they also oversaw the ministry. So God has given us the people that, the builders. So we have builders in the kingdom of God, and it's their job to do that. A business needs builders. If you look at a business, you need the people that will go and build the company. Some people just have that in them. They like to build from the ground up. Who knows people like that? They like to go into something, they have nothing, and build it up, and they just sell it. And they'll do it again, they'll build it up, they'll just sell it, right? And that's a critical part in business and in life, the people that just build. When you look at what God has done, God is the biggest, most strategic businessman I've ever seen. You want to get wealthy? Follow the kingdom of God. Watch what he does and he'll teach you. And so he has the apostles. They build and they oversee. But then he doesn't leave it. He goes, oh, I also need other people. And so what else does he do? He then gives us our pastors. Who's a pastor? The leader of a congregation whose role includes giving advice and counsel to members of the church. They oversee the church, their flock, and rely on the gifting of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to do so. They typically have the teaching gift or anointing because they have to provide discipleship and teach people how to live like Christ. They must feed the church. So you have God first, the Lord has the builders, and he has the pastors, the fathers and mothers who are there to kind of go, okay, I'm going to walk alongside you, so Jean, come with me. So you've got the builders, they go out there and they build, and then you have the pastors who are like, okay, come on, let's just keep going. Come on, let's go. Yeah, no, not this way, this way. All right. Oh, oh no, no, that way. Okay, let's go. No, no, oh, that way. Right? Give Jean a round of applause. Isn't that great? And so the pastors then come alongside and walk you through because God knows we need that too. He hasn't left us orphans. He has covered all corners. That's why you should be a member of a local church, even with what's going on right now. The enemy thinks he's smart, but God is greater. There is an attack. I don't care your theology. I'll tell you a fact from the kingdom of God. There's an attack on the church right now. Don't care how you want to flip it, how you want to read it. There is an attack on the body of Christ. 
because the enemy knows that when the body comes together, there's power. So it's funny because I still, so raised in England, lived in Nigeria for a few years, but most of my life I've been in the UK. But the few years I lived in Nigeria, it was crazy because you learned very quickly, you could be a nominal Christian. I mean, you could, but you wouldn't have a good life <laughs> because there's just so much witchcraft in your face. It's not even like, no one's hiding it. It's like, look, if you look me the wrong way, I'll kill you. And you wouldn't even know, you'll just die in your sleep. And you will hear so many stories of people flying at night, rooms, going to meetings. Like, I'm, t I'm telling you real stuff. From as young as I remember, like five, six years old, you go to a church service, deliverance service, people wriggling on the floor, wriggling up. Like, you've seen it all. <laughs> like, you grew up in the thick of seeing warfare as it is. You can go, I don't believe in that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whether you believe it or not doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's right there in your face. Scary stuff. But it caused you to kind of be alert. Protection was critical. You needed the Lord to protect you. I remember as young as ever, my, we would plan to go to places. And my dad would wake up and go, we're not going. Because he had a dream. I can tell you countless stories of just dreams. He had a dream that we were going to be ambushed. We had a dream that we were going to get, like, literally, and it would save our life. I remember, so I'm married to an American now, Jamal right there at the back. I remember when, so he came, we have a crazy story getting together, but that's for another day. But um, he came to Nigeria to... Uh, we got married in Nigeria first. We did two marriages, one in Nigeria and one in the U.S., right? So I remember even when we went for the wedding, we had a driver. So we have our driver, but my dad had hired another driver to help because there were so many of us. You had him, you had his mom, we had his um, Tris, his um, what's best man. So there were so many of us we wouldn't fit in one car. So my dad got a driver to help take us all back to where we were going. And the this guy, we weren't so familiar with him, but he'd come recommended. And he was acting very shifty. Just shifty the whole time. When I say shifty in England, it just means dodgy, right? Like you knew he was up to something. You have to be spiritual sensitive. And we knew that he was setting us up to get ambushed. Because they see, oh yeah, they must have money, right? Americans, whatever, right? So we were looking at him because he was recording the whole thing going on. And we, and we spoke to my, my dad was like, we, we told our dad, we're like, dad, there's something off about this guy. My dad said, I knew it. I knew that there was something off about him, but I couldn't put my hand on it. So when I spoke with him, my dad took the keys off him, the car keys, kicked him out, and then took a different route. And we knew we were, tr we were being followed. We got home safely. This was just a few years ago when we got married. Thank God we got home safely. But I'm telling you, if not for the Holy Spirit, we would probably all be dead. Those were the real realities every day. So you couldn't say that going, I don't really believe, I'm just nominal, I'm just agnostic. You stay agnostic, see how long you live for. Not long. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, so in that, <laughs> it's true. So in that reality, right, in that reality, the point was we knew the difference and there were moments where I've seen deliverances going on, but it's been challenging for whoever's doing the ministry to um, deliver that person until the church starts worshiping. And then people start to worship. Everyone stands up and starts singing just a nominal song, and then boom, the person's delivered. The demon can't stay in that person. Pow! 
power of coming together. And the demons start saying, stop them, stop them, because they can't handle it. Just YouTube it, you'll see a lot. But I've seen it, really seen it. The power of people coming together, and the enemy knows that. And so it's important that you are part of a church that you have said to the leadership, I want to be a member, and you have a covering over your life. Yeah, but the pastor doesn't call me and talk to me. Look, it is their responsibility. They are accountable to God, right? What's important is spiritually, they are your leaders, and you're under their authority. So the prayers they pray for the church will cover you too. Don't let the enemy steal you from your, steal you, steal your blessing from offense. That's just absolute nonsense, which is completely demonic. He'll try and twist you, lie to you, make you feel, and it's probably an issue that you already have of rejection that you need to deal with. It's not the pastor, it's you. That's often the best strategy. You're having a problem, don't look at that person, look at you. First, the Lord will deal with that person. And so it's important to be part of a church. And then the Lord gives us prophets. Who are prophets? These are people regarded as inspired mouthpieces of God. Often they see into the future and speak into the future as inspired by God. Isn't God amazing? Imagine if every business had prophets, like legit prophets. They'd be killing it, for want of a better term. But God is so good. He's like, I'm not just going to leave you with the builders and give you this pastor that wants to guide you. I'm going to give you people that see into the future. Everyone say future. And direct you based on what I see into the future. Because God doesn't want you to be lost. He doesn't want you to be confused. He doesn't want you not to know what you're doing. That's why he has prophets. Remember the verse 11 says, and so Christ himself gave. He gave. What are the verses that remind you of? John 3.16, right? And so he gave because he knows we need the prophets. And then he gives evangelists as well. These are persons who seek to convert others to the Christian faith, especially by public preaching. Isn't God amazing? The salespeople. Get them in, right? Get more people in. Get more people into the kingdom because it's the best thing in the world. Because we are created. This world, this universe is created for the purpose of coming back to God. That's it. And so we need the people who are going to show people the way and bring them in. And lastly, he gives you the teachers. A teacher is a person who helps others to acquire knowledge, competent in the things of God. And so God goes, yes, I've got my pastors, I've got my builders, I've got my prophets telling you about the future. I've got the evangelists kind of building the team and getting people in. But I need the teachers who are going to teach you principles that you can apply every single day. That makes sense, right? Isn't God amazing? We're covered. We're covered in every shape and form. No stone untouched. So that's the first thing we see is that we are fully covered and fully equipped. The second thing we see in this passage is that we are all ministers. We are all ministers. What is our ministry? It's not your job. That is part of your ministry. But what do we see from this passage? New King James Version, I'll read verse 12 again. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I'll say it again. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. New King James Version. 
the edifying of the body of Christ comes first. If your family is broken, how are you going to go help anyone else out there? Most of our problems come because we ourselves, in the way we were raised, were broken and didn't really see how relationships should look, what forgiveness should look like, what repentance should look like, what having a conversation looks like when you don't agree. We didn't grow up seeing that many times, and so we don't know how to keep friendships. We don't know how to stay married. But God teaches us that, and God equips us, right? But God knows that. It has to start with the family. And so God says, first, the body of Christ is first your ministry. And so it takes me back to what I was saying, where I'm praying about the country. And yes, Lord, save America and all this. Lord, please, oh, go keep your mouth shut. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself, because if you're not whole, how are you going to help other people? You're there praying for countries. What about you? And so the edification of the body of Christ is critical. But why? Talk about the, let's go back to the grand scale. Why? Why is that the first thing we ought to be doing? Think of the grand scale of this. Why? What's the purpose? So that we grow as children of God and come back to God and bring others with us. That's it. So first, it's this because God knows if this is fixed, the problem will be okay. The, the world will be okay. We will be the solution to the world if we're okay. So first, it's the edification of the body of Christ. Third thing we see in this passage is God's strategy has a goal. In verse 13, we see the goal. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's in the New King James Version. So that's the goal. The Passion Translation is amazing. It says, these grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God, and finally we become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. So what is the goal? It's two things. One, unity in the faith. Unity in the faith. When you see division, it's not of God. God is a God of unity. And so he wants us to come into a place of unity in our faith. And two, to experience the fullness of what it means to know Jesus. See the word, the fullness. It then says, but then we will be fully developed in the abundance of Christ. Because there's so much in who Jesus is that we just don't know. But as we allow these people in these ministries, the prophets, the apostles, the pastors, as we allow them to teach us, as we get into the word, as we edify each other, and we become one, guess what? We start to become more knowledgeable in our experience of who Jesus is. It's not something you do on your own, sat on your computer. But I'm watching Benny Hinn on TV. You don't talk to no one. You don't see nobody. 
but you're teaching yourself. That's not what the God, that's not what God is asking us to do. If you want to last, if you want to be solid in these moments, this is how you do it. Okay. And so, what's the fourth thing we see in this passage? That there's evidence of maturity. And we see that in verse 14 and 15. So, what is the evidence that you are doing these things and doing them well and you are maturing? Verse 14, NIV. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, we speak the truth in love. Passion translation. So verse 14 and 15a. And then our immaturity will end, and we will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by noble teachings or by false doctrines of deceivers who teach very clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and sincere in our love as we express the truth. So there's a few things that I want to highlight from this section. We see one thing. What's one evidence that we are maturing in Christ? We won't be shaking. You won't be shaken by your experience and by your troubles. Your experience will not prophesy your future. So a sign of immaturity just from that is when we allow a current negative experience prophesy our future. So that's a sign. But the Lord wants us to be solid as a rock. And so the first thing we say is we won't be easily shaken. The Bible says trouble will come. He never says it's going to be all nice and dandy, unicorns and rainbows. Wouldn't that be lovely? It would be, wouldn't it? But then it would be easy peasy. So John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Everyone say, but take heart. But take I have overcome the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's funny, he says, but take heart, because it's our heart. When anxiety, depression comes, it hits your heart first. So you're shaken. But says, but take heart. Hold your heart. Don't let fear come in. Take heart. Why? Why? Because he has already overcome. He's already overcome. Even if you don't see what you're praying for, heavens are contending for your breakthrough. You just have to agree with heaven even when you don't see it. And it's going to happen. Amen. Amen. And so many times, the enemy thinks he's smart. He'll try and make you focus on what isn't going well so he can distract you. But God says, take heart. Believe that I have already overcome. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things. Everyone say, all. all. I didn't see some. I didn't see a few. As my dad would say, and I did not see nothing. You hear me? He says, and in all things, 
God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you love God, and it doesn't mean that you're praying every day and you're, look, look, look. We don't have to strive in this. God knows. You don't have, there's no need to strive. But if you love him, everything in your life is working for good for good it might not look like it's for your good at the time but guess what it's for good it's always for good it is always for good and if you don't understand it in this time you will understand it in eternity and that's where we have to take our eyes from this world and the pleasures of the world and live with an eternal mindset. We keep contending, we keep fighting, we keep agreeing with heaven, and we keep believing that it will work out for our good. And we don't shake when it doesn't, but because we understand that God is an eternal God. Time is not, he put that in for us. He's timeless. So... The first thing we see there in verse 14 and 15a is a sign of immaturity is when you're shaken by trouble. And so a sign of maturity is when you're not shaken. But the second thing we see is that another sign of maturity is when we're not shaken by what we hear. It's one thing being shaken by your trouble, so things are happening, no money to get paid, right? You can't pay rent. You want to get married, no husband, right? Something tough happens to your family, a loved one passes, you fall sick. Meanwhile, you've been quoting, you know, Psalm 91 all your life, right? You're like, this shouldn't happen. And so that's when trouble tries to take you out. But we learn today that we can't be shaken. But second is when we are shaken by what we hear. Powerful, what you hear. what you hear. Protect what you are hearing. Especially right now. Everyone's got something to say. The Bible says that the enemy is the prince of the air. Just leave it at that one. <laughs> leave it at that. All right, darling, let's move on. So, careful what you're listening to. It then goes on. I think it's insane. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, which means there will always be different principles being taught at any given time. It will never just be one ideology. There will always be different ideologies, but guess what? There's only one truth. So like different ideas. Oh, yeah, we'll just pick this one and pick that one. No, no, no. That's not how God works. And that's why the door is narrow. It's not this wide door. Everyone just walking through, dancing. Remember of a dream that a lady had. Powerful, powerful woman of God. Recently, in the dream, there was a very narrow door. And there was a person holding two um, suitcases. Thank you. And they kept trying to go through the door. And she was aware that that person is the, represents the body of Christ. And she kept, but she couldn't go through. The door was too narrow. Not till she did what? Dropped her suitcases and walked through on her own. 
What do you need to downsize from? We'll go to that later. Okay. And so we see here that we have to be careful what we're hearing and learning because there will always be different principles being taught. Some from the kingdom of God and some from the kingdom of darkness. You have to check it with the word of God. We also learned, the second thing we also learned here is that some people will actually intentionally contrive ideas with the goal of deceiving you. It's not this idea of, oh, I think it, no, no, no. It's this intentional contriving. You think I'm just making that up? It's right there. It says, there will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. It reminds me of Genesis 3.1. I'll read it quickly. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. It's a kingdom of darkness. So when they come up with these ideas and craft it up, it's not of God. So these teachings are, and I felt the Lord say, these teachings and ideas are packaged up in small, lovely pails that are easy to swallow and gentle to the throat, only to poison your body. Be careful what pills you're drinking. If the philosophy, belief system, theology doesn't line up with the Lord, I don't care how you were raised, I don't care what culture taught you or me, it's not of God. We are in a season where you've got to be straight. Everyone say straight. straight. You've got to be straight. Rooted in Christ. God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Facts and truth. Galatians 6, 7 to 10. We're running up now. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from this spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore... As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to the family of believers. Isn't that powerful? Another thing we see in this section is that another sign of maturity is that you remain strong and sincere in love and tell the truth. So hiding the truth is a sign of immaturity. We have to get to a point where we are seasoned in love, sincere in love, and we tell the truth, express truth in love. Okay. What's the last and fifth thing that we see in this passage? We see the benefits of maturing in Christ. We see this in verse 15b. It says, all our directions and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. So there's two key things we see. Number one, when we do these things, we will flow from Christ. We will flow from Christ. That means we are living from the overflow. That means we are being directed by Christ in all our movements and everything that we do. We will flow from Christ. Our lifestyle will be a Christ style. Right? Two, 
is says we will then go deeper into Christ. So you're already mature, it's not fun. Only God will do that. He gets you to the place of perfection only to need to get deeper because he's an endless God. There's no end to God. So we'll go deeper. So maturity is just the start. It's not the destination, it's just the start. So you can go deeper into the revelation of who he is. So the worship team can come back up as we just close. And you know, when we see this, when we hear what the Lord is saying to the church, he's saying, grow up. Grow up. Just an opinion for me. I believe what we're seeing right now. I hear people say, I would hear people say, I can't wait till 2020 is over. And something in my spirit just didn't make sense to me because I would just think, what makes you think 2021 won't be worse? You might wish you were still in 2020. And I read that and I'm like, you don't know what you're saying. Things might get crazier than what you're saying. And I actually, it might get crazier. But you know what's funny? As I was praying the other day, I saw a hand over the nations with a drop of oil, dropping oil over nations. And the Lord says, the balm of Gilead, that is healing oil over nations. Which makes no sense because all I see is complete chaos. But the Lord says, I am healing nations. Nations. And so are you ready to go deeper in Christ and to grow up and to focus on edifying members of the body of Christ first? Because you understand that this is family. And this is what God called you to do first so that the world can see our love for each other and know that he is real. That's the Bible. And so we have to drop the suitcases, the baggage, and walk through this narrow door. But on the other end, you're going to see things that you never even prayed for, he will give you. You will see blessing that is untold because you've done what he's called you to do. So I have a few questions I felt the Lord wanted me to just share and end with. And it's, I, I call it the maturity test. That's what came to me. But answer these questions in your minds and in your hearts. So how do I gauge how mature I am? Number one, how are you doing emotionally right now? in the chaos of what's going on. How have you been? How are you doing? Are you completely, have you fallen apart? That's okay. It just means you need to get rooted. Yeah. You need to get rooted. There's something off in your foundation. You need to get it fixed. And that just means going to God and edifying the body of Christ. What does edification mean? It's just encouragement, right? Isn't that funny? 
how God praised, places such a high price on us encouraging each other. Something so simple. But just saying, oh my gosh, you look amazing. I love how you talk. You know what? I love how you take care of your kids. You're so gentle. That is of high value in the kingdom of God. But God knows that because many times we want to be encouraged, but we don't encourage anybody. Me, me, me. Someone give me a word. Someone touch me. Tell me what the Lord wants for me. God says, move and go pray for someone else and encourage someone else. We will only become who we have been called to be, a spectacle to the world when we start to edify each other. So the first one was, how have you been emotional? Number two, how often are you taking action to speak encouragement and to edify other people in the body of Christ, not your friends, God's people. That is the answer to the world's problems. If we were unified and encouraging each other and holding together, trust me, all this nonsense we see will get fixed in a moment. In a moment. Question three, are there any theories you are believing right now that don't line up with scripture. I felt the Lord saying as I was preparing the verse or the, the um, message, there are people that are picking what they want to tie, to justify what they want to do. There has been grace over them up till now. The grace will eventually. There's a time where God goes, I'm done. You can't just pick what you want. And you can see right now we're in an atmosphere where you can't just be in the middle anymore. It has to line up with all of the word of God. Stop picking what makes sense to you. Yet you know that there are other parts where the Bible clearly says you shouldn't do that. Let it make sense all across the way. Number four, are you ready to be developed in the abundance of Christ. Are you ready to be developed in the abundance of Christ? And the last question is a big one. What bad habits, people, places, items, music, movies, foods, apps, do you need to cut off? Because they are stopping you from developing in the abundance of Christ. I'll read it again. What bad habits, people, places, items, music, movies, foods, apps, do you need to cut off? Because they are stopping you from developing into the abundance of Christ. God has called us for abundance, not survival, but abundance. And the season has come to just cut things off, drop the baggage, and just walk through that door. So as we close, I'll have everyone stand up. If we all rise. And we're going to pray. Before the service started, I felt the Lord saying he's healing a heart condition. 
He will heal a heart condition. I don't know if there's anyone here that has a heart condition or someone watching. But you have a heart condition. It's a physical heart condition. The Lord is going to heal you or has already healed you. Let us know when you go to the doctors and they tell you that you're healed. Let's pray. Pray, pray. Yes. Books. The Lord is calling someone here to write children's books. Books. Children, write books for children. Do it. He's positioning people in this season for what is to come. Downsize. Downsize, downsize, downsize. Drop the baggage. Raso keborasi harasati. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done today. We thank you for the clarity of your word. I see a sword just piercing hearts today. I see the Lord repositioning people today. Fear gone. Some of you came in fearful and depressed. It's gone. Thank you, Lord, for delivering people from fear. Thank you that your bride is rising up. Your bride is rising up. And we are not afraid. I just see that there are people. You're concerned about moving forward. Like the God, Lord has called you to certain ministries. Just go. Just go. This is not a time to, oh, let me think about it. Let me, no, no, just go. Just go. So, Father, I thank you for the commissioning that you're doing even at this time. And I want you to put your hand up. If the Lord has specifically been asking you to do stuff or I don't, whether it's a job or a project and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just want your hands raised up and we're all going to put your hands up. Amen. And you know it's the Lord. So I want all of us to pray, lean um, your hands over these people where their hands are raised up. And I want you to say, go, go, yes, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for these people who are being commissioned to start new things, start new projects, set up for a time like this. Life Center is saying, go. The hand of God is on you to go. His anointing is on you to go. He will give you all that you need as you go. In fact, I hear him say, you already have all that you need. You already have all that you need. We break off every fear and anxiety. 
We thank you for the finances. We thank you for the resources. Thank you for the support. Just say yes to God. Just say yes to God. I want to pray for relationships very quickly. The Lord is strategically putting certain relationships together for the kingdom of God. We're just going to pray for those people. So Father, I thank you for people here who are entering new relationships that are destined by you, God, set up by you for the obliteration of the kingdom of darkness. We cover them with the blood of Jesus. We ask you for discernment and wisdom as they maneuver this new relationship. And we bless them in Jesus' name. We cancel the lies of the enemy. And we bless them in every shape and form. And we thank you for provision over them. There are people here or someone here, the Lord is saying, just serve your boss well. You want to leave a job, you just want to go, you're done. The Lord's saying, just serve your boss well. God has put you there to serve them well. And in due time, you will get your promotion. I also hear the Lord saying that some of you are going to be equipped to be wealthy in the kingdom of God. And I mean great wealth is coming. Financial blessing. Commit today to keep tithing and to keep giving your offerings. Commit today that you will continue to bless God with the blessing he's going to give you. Thank you for turnover. And lastly, Lord, I pray for healing. For those that are suffering sickness of any kind, I just want you to put your hand where that sickness is. The angels are here. The Spirit of God is here. Especially if it's heart-related, physical or emotional. Thank you, Lord, for healing. Thank you, Father, for healing, fixing hearts, back pain, go. Unable to concentrate, go. Clarity of mind and focus. Nightmares, you go. Insomnia, you go. Thank you for peaceful sleep. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. So now we're going to worship. And um, yeah, feel free to stay in the presence. So for the guys on Zoom, thank you for joining us today. We're going to move into the breakout rooms and be blessed.
and then rejoin us for worship. Thank you, guys.